0: Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to talk to one of our attorneys out of our Nevada office, Attorney Emily Mimnaw, to talk about a number of issues, uh, including recently uh joe rogan's uh situation with spotify uh, you know I understand uh, Emily that uh Joe rogan uh, he is part of cancel culture yet he has um, stolen the headlines recently uh what 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 happened
1: Well the summary is that Joe Rogan has an extremely popular podcast and has had an extremely popular podcast for quite some time and what has happened recently is that controversy has um surfaced, uh, you know, he's, he's had a controversial podcast for, for a while now, but recently there's really been two issues. First, he was um, taken to task for COVID misinformation, so-called, in his podcast, and that led to the first kind of wave of objections in just in this last week or so. And then second, some new controversy over very old podcasts in which he used racially offensive language. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but these old podcasts were brought up again, so he was he was forced to apologize twice. And, and it's interesting because he's being canceled by very, I would think it's fair to say, mostly people on the left, very cancel culture focused individuals. But he, Joe Rogan is not a Christian. Okay, he he said I think to put it politely some very insensitive things about Christians. He's you know referred to the mythology and and I'll leave it at that. He's not a Christian. He's never claimed to be a Christian. And he's really not a conservative. He has, you know, in 2020, for example, he said at one point he was planning on voting for uh, Mr. Um, Bernie Sanders. So I don't know of too many conservative Christians who are planning on voting for Bernie, Bernie bros. But nonetheless, he has followed, he's become the most recent target of the cancel culture. I, I don't know if it's a war, but certainly the cancel culture climate.
0: Okay, so who exactly is this uh, Joe Rogan? I mean, I personally don't listen to him. So I'm uh, I'm in the dark. A lot of our viewers are in the dark. Uh, What does he actually do?
1: Well, who Joe Rogan is, I think, depends on who you ask, including Joe Rogan, really, on any given day. According to his Twitter bio, he is a stand-up comedian, mixed martial arts enthusiast, psychedelic adventurer, so not somebody you would necessarily go to (laughs) for your medical, political, philosophical you know, advice, I think that's fair to say. He got his start really as a comedian, and then he transferred into um, acting through Disney, actually. He was on Hardball. He was actually the host of Fear Factor, if you can remember that show, for about half a decade. Um, and, and after, I, I, this, is, this sounds like a joke, and I guess in some ways it, it all is a bit comedic. Um, and, and after his stint with Fear Factor, he launched this podcast with um, a friend and fellow comedian in 2009. And it I don't like to use the word instantly, but it almost instantly became extremely popular. And that really, I think, is where where the rub is, is that he is just wildly hands down more popular than anything on TV.
0: So uh, his podcast is what got him in the headlines then, right?
1: Right. His podcast is called the Joe Rogan Experience. If you look at the I, I looked it up this morning to, to see exactly what this was um, on Spotify, it looks I think psychedelic perhaps is the word. Um, it's a very interesting close up of his face. And when we say that we, he has lots of podcasts, I believe there are there were 1,107 D give or take of these, and that some of these have been removed as result a, as, a, as a result of these cancel efforts but but when i say that it is a copious and scrolling body across the across the across the landscape culturally po- philosophically politically you name it that person has probably been on the show at some point
0: wow and i understand his show has a huge audience right
1: absolutely huge it has on average right now about 11 million listeners per episode which is more than probably the top 3 Top ranked news shows on TV all Fox, but if you Tucker Carlson doesn't even average four million an episode. Most recently, CNN, for example, I think they're currently averaging about zero point seven million viewers on their most you know popular TV airing, and and he's a- averaging about eleven million according to Nielsen, eleven million listeners per episode, and these episodes are not short that's another kind of mind-boggling thing about it his first episode in 2009 his interview was five hours long so it is just completely counter to the soundbite tv climate that we're used to and and on average i was looking i could not find a single episode that was less than two hours long
0: yeah in fact wasn't it uh elon musk uh where he you know reportedly smoked marijuana on a show, it was actually Joe Rogan's show that he smoked pot, is that is that right?
1: That is right, and anybody who owned Tesla shares probably remembers what happened shortly thereafter because uh, the stock tanked about 9%. And, <laughs> and I remember, I didn't know who Joe Rogan was at the time, but I heard about this incident and I just thought, well, I guess that answers the question when Elon Musk says something and you think, is he high? The answer may actually be yes. But I, I think the the Elon Musk incident uh, draws attention to a lot of the inconsistencies um, that that Joe Rogan embodies because he's also known for Sober October. So in 2017, he launched this Sober October campaign to encourage his listeners to come to face with some of their addictions and to give up, you know, unhealthy substance use during the month of October. And then the next year, he's got Elon Musk live on his show smoking a joint, and then. Eight episodes later, he returns to Sober October Part Two. So to to, to look for him for any type of consistency or, or to be some type of political, philosophical oracle, I think misses the point, which is that he is a comedian and he is first and foremost an entertainer. And it seems to be the fact that that is very popular with people.
0: So what exactly from his podcast got him in so much trouble and controversy?
1: That's a great question. So there there were various um, conservative, I would say, um, alternative doctors who he had on the show who talked about things like whether or not vaccines were effective, whether or not ivermectin was an effective treatment, whether or not young people should be vaccinated. In fact, you can go back to April of last year when Dr. Fauci actually got Um, directly specific about Joe Rogan and one of the individuals he had on his podcast. And frankly, the administration did not like that Joe Rogan was using his, again, very popular platform to allow people of different beliefs to air their opinions. And and I think one of the interesting things, again, is that he lets people talk, agree or disagree with them. And he certainly will call people clowns and and other things when, when he disagrees. But he will, you know, let them speak. And, and in, in a climate in which people don't like opinions different from theirs being aired, it, it is very threatening.
0: Did, didn't the White House, didn't Biden's White House actually use this incident to encourage censorship of thought and ideas with regards to, to COVID?
1: They, they have, very specifically, just this Monday, actually, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked about Joe Rogan specifically, Because he apologized once for the COVID misinformation and Spotify, his platform with whom he has a $100 million contract multi-year, said that we're not going to take him down. But we're going to put these censorship labels on his podcast, you know, warning dangerous material if it has COVID type, you know, discussion. Which is kind of akin to when you buy a CD for those who still buy CDs or remember what CDs are. And when they started putting those parental advisory labels on CDs, um, I was actually a Tipper Gore initiative. Similar to that, they've now slapped warning labels on some of his podcasts. And Jen Psaki said, that's good. That's a start. But she encouraged all multimedia platforms to go further and do more. Sure enough, later on Monday, more of Joe Rogan's podcast episodes were taken down from Spotify.
0: Okay. I see it as very dangerous for uh, politicians under the guise of uh, disinformation or getting rid of, you know, you know, false material uh, as a serious infringement upon free speech and the ability for uh, a free society to be able to exchange ideas, information, evidence, studies, etc. I mean, uh, I'm really alarmed that the White House has taken such a, a, uh, an affirmative offense against basic free speech in our society.
1: It it is. And what Jen Safi said was, you know, the the parental advisory type warning on, you know, information that they just disagree with. You know, she said that's a good step, but we can do more. And, And for a society that is built upon free speech, the free exchange of ideas, the fact that someone from the podium speaking directly for and on behalf of the White House is saying, yes, we should be labeling speech as dangerous. We should be labeling some ideas as bad, ideas that don't agree with our agenda, with the White House's messaging should be singled out, and, and not even every episode. In fact, I went and I, I checked because this can't be right, but it is. I, you, you, know, you can still go on Spotify right now and watch uh, Elon Musk you know, light up a joint, but other you know, you know, wildly controversial episodes about COVID are too dangerous, and that has to be taken down, and the White House is 100% on board with that.
0: Yeah, we're not even talking about them taking down people who, you know, you know, had a, a, a fake doctor's outfit on who really isn't a doctor who's just sort of pretending. We're talking about them taking off from the, you know, the uh, these these social networks the the ability for licensed MDS from Harvard Medical School, from Baylor Medical Centers, uh, people who are highly esteemed and recognized. From that, to be able to express themselves, to express their their information, their their experience, uh, their 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 studies, uh, it's very very concerning. And in fact, I understand that you know there's two bombshells that have come out. One was uh, dealing with John Hopkins and a new study that came out from them. Um, I understand they said, uh, you know, in their study they said, "quote We find no evidence." that lockdowns, school closures, border closures, and limiting gatherings have had a noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality, end quote. Uh, I don't see this being pushed out on liberal media, and this is exactly the kind of thing that would be silenced.
1: Well, sure, John Hopkins University, not not exactly an irreputable source, yet it is counter to the White House's messaging, to the CDC's messaging. And, and if you get to the, the conclusion of the study, it does not mince it word. It mints its words. It says in the future that policy of a lockdown should be dismissed out of hand because not only did it have no noticeable effect on decreasing COVID and related death mortalities, we we know that it had wildly negative effects on economics, on mental health, on children, and so not only do we know it didn't, you know, do what it was supposed to do, which is, you know, reduce the impact of COVID, it had all of these, you know, you know, horrific societal impacts with mental health, with suicide, with drug and alcohol abuse, with depression, education, you get, the list goes on and on, and so in, in a time like COVID, where, you know, it's a new disease, we're learning about it. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be, you know, actually opening, um, approaching science with an open, an open mind, and actually reading the information, digesting it, and trying to make good decisions for ourselves and our families. The idea that certain information should be withheld because it doesn't meet with the government's approved messaging is deeply concerning, especially when, you know, and I won't say after the fact because we're still in the midst of, you know, a lot of these mandates and, and similar type rules but but 2 years later we find out that it, it looks like the the government got it very very wrong in many occasions and with very serious and sometimes deadly consequences
0: what happens Emily if local or state public health officials uh, disagree uh, openly with the CDC
1: well we're finding that literally right now because on monday of course uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy has announced that they're going to be loosening their mask mandates, and of course, they have been pretty, you know, not, you know, not quite California, but at the forefront of the most restrictive COVID measures, and they're going to be removing their state mandate that, you know, indoor masking at schools be required, and in fact, Jen Psaki was asked about that, and it's it's very awkward, because now you have state and local health officials disagreeing with the official federal message and White House message regarding the importance of masks and mandates and all of these restrictive measures. And, if, you know, she, she said, well, you know, we have to follow the federal government. We have to follow the science. We have to follow the data. And I think, to be honest, and this really undermines the legitimacy of the CDC because I, I you know, i would I'm not a betting person despite living in Nevada, but I would put money on the fact that in the next week, you're gonna see the, see the CDC change it changes messaging to get in line with you know the state democrat and the, you know those those um local health officials so it, it really is undermining the authority and I, th- I think in fact the New York Times had a quote about that today pointing out just that fact.
0: Yeah know we already have what I call a lot of free states or red states where Republican governors have already said okay enough is enough we're not going to require masks anymore let's get back to life uh, just as we saw the United Kingdom UK Same thing. Uh, They do that with vaccines and masks, saying we're getting back to life. No more requirements. Portugal, other countries, uh, World Health Organization has already said children shouldn't be vaccinated. So uh, I I find it interesting to see now that, you know, after New Jersey's announcements, we also have California, uh, Connecticut, Delaware, Oregon separately uh, coming down with some rules to uh, get rid of the, the mask mandate. Um, I think this is definitely a move in the right direction. And when you see liberal governors and liberal states that up till now have been very pro, you know, nanny state and let's control the lives of people, even them coming out and saying, OK, let's get rid of the mask mandates. I think they're also looking at the political wind and I think they're realizing that uh, this is a as a major liability. People are tired of being controlled when it's no longer necessary uh, the Omicron has already peaked. It's massively, very, very quickly on its way down. We don't have the fatalities like we used to, as far as a, a, from a per capita per case. Uh, it's, it's like you know less than one tenth the fatality as before on a uh, per per uh, person basis, uh, who's actually received the the virus. So uh, I think that uh, this is just common sense, and uh, you know. But at the White House comment on the loose, you know, what's been there. What's been their comments on this? I mean, we've seen some things happening here. Are they now falling into line? Or are they still standing by their hardcore? We want to control you. Wear the mask.
1: Well, there's Jen Psaki speaking for the White House is still standing by the CDC because I mean, what else can she do? But but she <laughs> right. also, you know, you know, she's she's I don't know if she's per se a politician, but she can talk out of both sides of her mouth because she also said, and I like that the New York Times noted this. But of course, local school districts have always had the option to make their and set their own masking, you know, policies, which of course we know is completely untrue in that's California. Right. The yeah. local schools have never had the option as to whether or not they wanted to mask. And we've seen lots of litigation around that very point. And so the idea that, you know, of course, we've always had and respected local control is, you know, laughable by anybody who lives anywhere in the states of in the United States of America. We we simply know that's not true.
0: Yeah, we uh right now have a lawsuit where we're defending a uh church-based Christian preschool uh where they were they're were ordered, you know, all these little toddlers have to wear masks. Well, you can't keep toddlers with a mask on all the time and uh and just them microwing and then picking on this preschool even though there's other preschools that are secular, no no effort to to uh criticize them instead they just literally shut down this Christian preschool. Uh, Because they're not forcing these little toddlers, two two to four-year-olds, to wear masks. Uh, It's insane. Then we have another lawsuit, as you're well aware of, Emily, in in, uh, Florida, where the state of Florida governor says, okay, no masks. They're not required. In fact, parents, you have the final say. And yet we have Palm Beach School District coming out saying, we're going to ignore the state mandate, and we're going to require every child to wear a mask, no matter what. That's it. And so we have filed a major lawsuit. Our attorney out of Florida, Alex Bumbo, is doing a great job in that litigation uh, to, to take on that rogue, uh, liberal, radical left school district on behalf of many, many angry parents. Uh, so it's true. They, it's School districts have not had this, this option, if you will. And we see some just going even out of their way, even if they do have the option, like in Florida, to still require masks. And I think it's very disturbing. Now, um, is the rule... Uh, this is the the real threat of uh, of a podcast like Joe Rogan and is listening people listen to him. Uh, is this are we are we seeing this potentially across the spectrum? This kind of a uh, of control and and silencing uh, of individuals.
1: Well, we're seeing it come after Joe Rogan because he had the audacity to allow certain unpopular or conservative minded people, you know, allowed them equal and not really equal, but some airtime on his podcast, right? Someone like Abigail Schreier, who believes, you know, shockingly in the reality of biological sex, you know, you can't give airtime to someone like that. So you don't see them objecting to having, you know, Bernie or Elon Musk or Tulsi Gabbard or any other number of people on the left who subscribe to various you know, political agendas, and, you know, particularly, I think these, you know, current popular sexuality identity type politics, it's when you start giving airtime to people who are, you know, conservative and Christian that they get labeled as, you know, hateful or misinformation, and he has, you know, Joe Rogan has to apologize and put warning and trigger labels on his content, and I think that's, that's the real, you know, the real fear is that in the current climate, I think there's one of three, you know, a, General reactions. You have the current wokest knee jerk must cancel, can't hear something that challenges the current prevailing view. You have this kind of cynical, nihilistic response to the search for truth, which means, you know, there is no truth and you just reduce everything to a joke. And then you have the third response, which is, you know what, let's let people speak and let's actually hear what they have to say. And if it's, you know, laughable, then we won't take it seriously. And if you know, you know the, the real troubling part. I think is that you hear from someone like Abigail Schreier and she makes a lot of sense, and that is truly threatening and dangerous. And that's when you start seeing the, you know, cancel culture sharks start circling.
0: Yeah, it's it's a real threat, and uh, particularly when we we start, you know, trying to control speech, and uh, and isolate speech. You know, Google. People a lot. Most people they often search with using Google. Google is terrible at censoring at Canceling information out, uh, putting information in the in the you know on the forty-eighth page when it really should be on the first page, and that's why I encourage people to do what I'm doing. I use DuckDuckGo.com. That's a great search engine. Uh, it doesn't trail. It doesn't track. You know me. It it uh, allows me to get the information. It doesn't sift through and decide what's politically correct, what's not politically correct. Um, so I think there's some things that people can do about it, at least from a, an internet search basis, but the average person's not going to, you know, make an effort to, uh, to choose uh, DuckDuckGo as their search engine. They'll, they'll just choose whatever was on their computer when they got it, and uh, and that's uh, or laptop when they got it, which is really concerning. As far as hate speech goes, um, I understand that outside the United States, that we see hate speech, uh, hate hate speech crimes already being enforced in other countries. Uh, I think Finland had something that came out uh, recently. What, what what happened in Finland?
1: In Finland, the result of about a two-year investigation into a long-term member of parliament, about, I think, over 20 years, she posted, um, and I should say she actually tweeted, and she tweeted it at her own church. She was objecting to the Evangelical Lutheran Church, which is the state church of Finland. So you have to remember, this is not the United States. You have an official state church. So she engaged in a conversation with a church in which she is a member, and, and she Questioned, and I think it's fair to say, challenged the fact that the church was sponsoring what what was a gay pride parade in in Finland, and and she just said, you know, how does this square with the teachings of the church and the Bible? And you know, here's the hateful part: (laughs) she she actually you know included a picture of the Bible, uh, and a picture of Romans chapter one twenty four to twenty seven, and because of that, she you know didn't really think much of it. You know, a couple days later, she has the police showing up at her door and she ends up being on trial. And this isn't actually being covered in the media. But in fact, they went back 20, about 20 years ago. She published a pamphlet along with a bishop in her own church, which also was then flagged as hate speech. And the bishop is actually on trial as well. And this is criminal. And they're looking at up to two years in jail. We're talking about fines, of course, mm-hmm. ongoing censorship. And it seems like, well, there must be, you know, there must be something else. There must be something more to the story. No, it, it is Article 10 of their criminal code, and it's seen as something offensive to gay and transgender people. This, this tweet, which was a picture of the Bible, tar- you, know, you know, as part of a dialogue and discussion with her own church. And so when, when you think this, you know, oh, you're talking about hate speech, and you're talking about, you know, something that will incite violence. Unfortunately, hate speech has been a term that has been weaponized and used to silence and censor, you know, well-meaning and even internal church dialogue. And that, I think, truly is chilling.
0: Yeah, I know PJI right now is uh, defending uh, two teachers in the United States uh, who have been were punished and and lost their jobs, fired uh, because of their speech. And it was just an organ. Uh, Can you give a quick summary uh, regarding this case that PJI has taken on?
1: Yeah, two two women in Oregon, both teachers, went on their own time and published on YouTube, um, you know, a video basically talking about you know Christian intolerance and in ways to they thought to approach the difficulty of transgender students in you know junior high and high school situations where you have you know Christian people who do not believe that you can change your gender and nonetheless this was targeted and flagged and so their speech similar really to what you saw in Finland. What was made where outside of work, just in a, you know, a general public debate, you know, matter of public interest, I would say, context was then turned around and used as a basis to suspend and terminate them. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more, pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So
0: folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, President of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today.
1: To find out more about
0: the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.